and welcome to this week's BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with Alan Donegan, co-founder of the award-winning Rebel Business School, Finance School and Podcast, with the aim of helping people start their own businesses, take control of their finances and avoid debt. And they provide it all for free because Rebel raises its capital through sponsorship, which means they can give away the best education to those who need it the most and have been doing so in over seven different countries to over 20,000 people to date. Sounds too good to be true, right? On the contrary, Alan and Rebel are the real deal. And here's more about the man behind the mission. Um, Alan's currently uh, living abroad. Do you sort of intentionally choose places to live where the cost of living is lower or do you follow the sun? Like, is there kind of some logic as to kind of where you choose your destination? Is there logic to my life? Um, Not really. However, yes, it does make a difference, the cost of living. So we can live like kings and queens in Colombia, because the cost of living is low and the exchange rate, one pound is 5,000 Colombian pesos and it buys you an awful lot. That sounds like a lot. It's a lot. You go out for breakfast and like a really good breakfast at the fanciest place is like three pounds a dish and you can live really well. So that does impact our decision. However, we wouldn't stop ourselves going to expensive countries. I think we just go to the expensive country and then we go back to, say, uh, Bogota or an Argentina is particularly cheap to live in currently. And you would balance it out. So you might spend a month in San Diego where it's super expensive and then spend two months in Bogota. And then you go to the UK and spend a month because it's really expensive and then go live somewhere else that it's less. So it, it does do that. I think the thing that I've really hit me is the sunshine, the weather, how much that impacts my desire to get out and be healthy and run and live. So we do move to places that have good weather. So Mexico in the winter is the perfect weather for a British person. It's like 25 degrees, blue skies, sunshine every day. Like it's gorgeous, not too hot. So Brazil in the winter is amazing. So like we do look at those different things and we tend to go... I feel like we need to maybe just go and visit Alan in person. Come and hang out. Just follow him around. (laughs) You are welcome. So you're basically spending your time following the sun? We follow nice climates, good food, exciting places to go. And then I think this year, our thought is, where can we go to make an impact as well? So having run a course in Namibia and seen how much of an impact we can have giving our time and then the time in Colombia, we're thinking which countries can we go to and we can enjoy the weather and have an impact and help people. Alan, what's your sort of long-term goal? Like my long-term goal is to smash the belief that it takes money to make money because there's this whole belief that I have to get money first before I can be successful. It's just not true. I want to smash the belief that people are trapped. I want to help people get their finances in order and create the life they actually want to live. And I want to free people to build the life they actually want to live. And I think that's my lifelong mission is to do that and I'll do it through a podcast I'll do it through a course I'll do it through meeting random people in strange countries one at a time but that's my long-term mission is to do that. Alan probably not so relevant for sort of some of the countries you've spoken about but I can imagine for the UK let's sort of take kind of a course run on an estate somewhere I, I, I can imagine that sort of part of what you do is actually has an impact on 
the lives of participants in the sense that they realise they've got to get their own personal debt under control before they can, or as part of sort of launching a business debt-free. So if you th- look at it from that point of view, it's kind of, a you know, you're, you're achieving two goals. You're helping people actually get their personal life in order and then starting to build their kind of your security. So I think it's a yeah great, great business. It's the ripple effect. It's the, yeah, you yeah, help one yeah. person and the ripple effect that goes out from there is unbelievable. You help them in one area, whether it's finance, business or whatever it is, and that changes their mind, which they pass to their kids, which they pass to their family, and it ripples out. And the more I can do that, the more stones I can throw in the water and create positive ripples, the better. Yeah. And when did the podcast come along? Is that recent or has that been going about for About three years ago. So about three years ago, I was approached by a big podcast in America that said, we love what you're doing. You should launch a podcast with us. Um, and I said, yes. And we're nearly at a million downloads now, which is unbelievable wow. that that's happened in that period. Oh, we have more than that, don't we? Of course you do. I'm sure you've <laughs> smashed those numbers. <laughs> I can never quite work out who listens to our podcast. <laughs> If you're listening, message us, because that's my problem as well, is you put the podcast out, but no one messages. And you're like, hello. But you have no idea hello? whether people are enjoying no, it or not. No idea. Hello. hello. Are you there? <laughs> tap, tap, tap. You're sc- slightly screaming into the void. It's like, and I don't know whether you found this, but with the various different courses you run, I'm assuming that they are virtual or are they? do you actually do them in person? So the, the business school run around the world is a lot in person. So there is one live in Westminster right now. There's one coming up in Bolton. They're all over the country. They're live. You can physically go there and see it. Obviously, the pandemic drove us online as well. Because that's what what I was going to say is what I found in the pandemic was I'd been doing all these workshops and kind of live events. And they're great because you're there with a whole group of people and they interact with you and you get a response. You then go online and do it on Zoom and you get everybody turns their cameras off. They're all on mute. You you know, you're delivering the same kind of stuff so you know where your jokes are falling and you're <laughs> kind of hoping for a laugh. And there's absolutely fuck all response. And you do kind of feel like you're screaming mm-hmm. into a void. Maybe that's just me. But I do and I think that people are less likely to kind of ask questions and stuff when it's online. The worst experience I've had presenting was actually doing my Google talk. They wanted me to record it two, three days in advance. And I li- they didn't have their cameras on, and I literally had to speak at a screen for 50 minutes. And, like, you are pouring all your energy into a black screen, and it destroyed me. I was disorsted. And then you counter that. My wife and I launched the Rebel Finance School in the pandemic, and the most recent course, we had 3,500 people a week on Zoom and YouTube tuning in every single week. And we say one thing, and the comments lit up. People would vote on the things. Lovely. The questions afterwards, we do 90 minutes course and then open it up for questions. And we got 90 minutes of questions. Like people, there was like rows of people with their hands up just chatting and they're engaged. So I think it can be done online well. But there are times where you do feel like you're speaking into a void. And that's why this with three of us, Pippa, Simon, me, like you get the energy and the bounce from the three of you. But it can be a void. Yeah, and and we've done a couple of these podcasts now online because people are in different countries. And the the energy is slightly different from when the person's sitting in the room with you, but it's not 
is not that different because we're having the back and forth conversation. I think the problem is that when you're kind of presenting, people are kind of passively taking the presentation and they tend to switch off a little bit. Or, But also too, there's that expectation if somebody's lecturing at you or talking at you, you don't really need to be engaged. Whereas, you know, in this, the three of us need to be engaged. So, uh, but you're right. Shit, I knew there was something I was yeah, supposed to be exactly. doing. Exactly, stop drinking. Sorry, I was just going to add, there are ways to engage that audience open questions, talking to them, because I think that's the bit, is presenting at versus having a conversation. And if you're delivering a big presentation, still do it like you're talking to an individual having a conversation. Then everyone you're talking to feels like they're talking directly to you. So there are ways to change that to help people feel engaged and like asking those open questions. Alan, what's the most misunderstood thing about what you do? I think the most misunderstood thing is everyone thinks we're out to sell them on an upsell to a coaching course, scam them out of their money. They're like, this is too good to be true. Why are you so giving really away? Still think yeah, that. of course they do. Like every course, they're like, come on it. They sit in the back row so they can escape quickly. They're there going. They're waiting. Yeah, for they're waiting for the sales moment. Like, when are they going to scam me? When are they going to do this? It is still the thing. There is such a lack of trust. And I can understand why, because there are so many companies that do that. They give away the three thing to get you in and then they upsell you immediately. Do you spend the last 10 minutes selling a timeshare though? So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking. Yeah, no, never sold a timeshare. I've been on one of them and I'm never going again. That was two hours of my life. I'm never getting back. What's the biggest problem facing your business? I think the biggest problem is breaking through to people and helping them to believe that what we're saying is possible. When you go in and say it is possible to sort your finances out to be able to start to invest, it is possible to start a business without debt. People have so much scepticism and fear that they're not willing to try. And then you say, well, it's a free course. And they're like, like this is this too good to be true. Breaking through the British scepticism about what is possible or not is really difficult to do. And we have to continually get out there and try and persuade people to come to us and help them. But I think we are so sceptical in the UK about possibility. I also think, you know, when something is free, expectations are quite often quite low. Because it's like, you know, if this was any good, they'd be charging for it. Do you know what I mean? So people just... And, and I would imagine, you'd tell me, but I would imagine historically what we you know with with law firms nobody wants to go to a law firm anyway right for a presentation but when something is free lots of people sign up but only half of them turn up yeah that's about right that's about a 50 percent conversion rate from sign up to show up for a free course that's what we get on nearly everything we do alan one thing we kind of ask everybody and it is interesting is obviously right now climate change is a big thing you know, we're, it's in the back of everyone's minds. Is that something you worry about with your business? Are there ways in which, as a business, you're trying to tackle that, your own footprint? Or is it because it's a kind of generally online and generally in different areas, you're not too fast? It is something we're conscious of. It is something we want to do something about. We are trying to reduce single-use plastics is a big one, like just getting rid of as much single-use plastic as possible. But I think the actual biggest impact we can have as a business is the concept of financial independence talks about spending less so you can invest more. 
And if we can persuade people that frugality, spending less so they can save more, is a way to their freedom, they will buy less plastic, they will buy less stuff, and we can have a positive impact on consumerism around the world. And the volume of just stuff that gets bought we can reduce that. So I think the biggest impact we can have is selling people on financial freedom uh, that will actually secretly benefit the environment. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Clark got its start back in 1935 And while the world has changed a bit It's more than just survived From complying with the FCA And all things financy They can also speak fluently In the language of legalese Ori Clark was born and raised right here in the UK And now for 20 years They've been helping others get set up and on their way Ori Clark stores always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. What are you most excited about in relation to your business? I'm most excited about the Extraordinary Life course. Oh, perfect timing. I'm just so excited. And I remember being on a plane watching a movie and one of the characters said, the extraordinary belongs to those that create it. And I remember being struck by that thought and thinking, obviously, you have to create it. They don't come round your school and go, would you like an extraordinary life? Like, no one came to me and said that. You have to build it yourself. But that concept then inspired me to go, okay, how do you build an extraordinary life? How do you go about it? Building a business, sorting out your finances, designing your world so it's exactly what you want. And that is what I've been working for years on and we're launching it on Monday. So I am pumped. We've got 4,000 people signed up to come to the course, uh, which means about 2,000 will show up based on it's a free course. But that's an incredible audience to work with to create some change. And and will you deliver that yourself or who who will deliver the bulk of the course? Uh, It's myself, my wife, Katie, uh, and my business partner, Simon. It's the first one we've ever done on this subject. So the three of us are doing it together, writing it together, creating it together. And yeah, I'm just lucky to be able to like work and play with my wife. It is um, a really interesting topic though for a course because it sounds, it's not just about, you know, how to build a business, your business life, how to how to do businessy things. It's like um, you know, a more holistic approach to your life in general and how your work and your your play and everything else fits into that, right? Absolutely. And I think there's so many pieces that get forgotten. And one example of that would be health. Because you speak to people and say, why don't you launch a business? Why don't you do something like that? And they will, I don't have time. And what I've discovered is is they do have time, they don't necessarily have energy. So they come home from work, they've bathed the kids, they've done whatever they need to do, and they collapse on the couch exhausted. There's time, but there's no energy to use the time. So actually health and energy makes such a big impact on your life. And it gives us that opportunity to talk about 
and explore the things that really matter to people and the foundational elements that will help them to live the life they want to live. How long is it taking you to develop the, the course? Have you been working on it for a while? Uh, a little bit of a while, yes. Like I probably started three years ago with the general concept uh, okay. uh, and <laughs> yeah. explored it. But actually, like, I've been journaling about it and then taking it and writing it down. It's probably like to design each one is like two to three weeks of focused energy to create each session. Um, but I've been thinking about these concepts. I started my self-development journey when I was 20 years old. Someone forced a book on me and said, you need this, Alan. Uh, and I'm so grateful they did. As you're wiping the dog shit from your head, <laughs> you thought, yes, I need that. <laughs> yeah, my life was in much more of a mess than dog shit at that point. What's your biggest fuck up? Oh. And what have you learned from it? Uh, there's just, you know, when you get so many fuck ups that you think, well, like, where do I begin on the list? But if I take... Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> Let's take one of the top ones. Uh, I invested my life savings uh, in a actively managed high-tech, high-growth fund right before the dot-com bubble and lost everything. Um, so that's a fairly big uh, fuck-up, a fairly big mess. But it's pretty impressive to get back up from that, frankly. It didn't for many times. It put me off investing for 12 years plus and it took a long time to actually work out what the lesson in that mistake was to be able to come back and start again. And it was a book that helped me learn that lesson and move on. Um, but there are so, there's so many, I mean, being fired from jobs, doing these crazy things. But you learn from them over the years and hopefully I'm a little bit better now. Alan, given, given the content of the course and what courses and what you're sort of trying to achieve, do you invest in your own clients' businesses or do you have a philosophy that says, look, no, what we do there is one thing and kind of what we do with our investments is a completely different thing. Given the fact my entire business is you do not need money to start a business, I like stay away from it absolutely 100%. I, I did, in the early days, there was one guy who came to me, he said I needed 500 quid to buy a van to get my business going up. And like, I didn't really understand what I was doing, but I just like gave him the 500 quid. He promised to pay me back. I never heard from him again. He dodged all my calls uh, and I got a strong lesson. And so many times giving money actually has the opposite effect because like it doesn't actually help people achieve what they want to achieve. So I am strongly against that. So our business school never invests. We help people launch for free. We help them get going. We will never invest. And we tell them they do not need investment. You need to get going for free. And our investments are in broad-based index funds that are completely separate. So we invest in the biggest companies around the world and our money sits there and does what it does. Um, startup investing is a risky risky business. I mean, I think, you, I think you make a really interesting point too, and that is giving people money to start a business or to put into the business is, can often kind of not be the best thing to do. And we find this a lot with kind of startups who sort of might get family money um, and, you know, that family money runs out very quickly and then they sort of have this rude shock that sort of, you know, no one else is going to stump up the cash for them to keep their business going. So I, I agree with you. I think it's a really, really great philosophy. Yeah, and the, the number of startup businesses, I mean, I can think of one immediately where it was a, a social networking app that, you know, three guys were working on and before they started designing it, they just had the concept. They raised a 
about, I think it was about three or four million. And literally towards the end of the race, people were desperate to put money into this thing. Like they were saying, I don't mind if it's a higher valuation, just, I just want to be able to invest, right? But I think part of the reason, you know, and that business failed spectacularly because the three guys fell out and it just uh, went up in flames. But, you know, I think part of the reason for that was they were just so, like, they were so, they were super overconfident, really. And they hadn't actually, actually done anything. They just got the idea and they hadn't got around to actually doing the hard work. And then when it came to it, it was too much like hard work. And they just couldn't, you know, actually achieve it. But sometimes when you've got this massive, like, cushion of money, it stops you from really being active and taking the risk and spending time on it because it's just a little bit too easy. But I mean, the opposite is also true. I mean, you fund your own sort of business and then suddenly you get an investment, you stop being frugal, you splash the cash and you realise it doesn't last terribly long. So, you know, you, you see that a lot as well. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? Come on this podcast by the sound of it. <laughs> I think... When I was first launching my training business, I went to two different mentors and asked them how to launch my business, and they gave me exact opposite advice. One of them said, the only way to win business is to phone people. Don't bother with networking, don't bother with anything else, you just need to get on the phone, phone people and sell them stuff. And the other guy said, the only way to get business is networking. There are so many people on the phone, you will just be wasting your time, you just need to go out there and network and find customers that way and that left me paralyzed because I've got these two successful people giving me exact opposite advice and neither was bad advice they were advice that had worked for them to build their things yeah but is the answer do a little bit of everything or do as much of everything as you can I think it's find the bit that works for you because if you do a little bit of everything you don't have the focus to really get good at one thing. So the guy that did networking had really focused on networking and was excellent at it, knew how to talk, knew how to do it, knew how to find customers. And the person who'd focused on calling had got really good at it and knew how to do it and what to do and how to do it. So I think like what I've got from that is actually don't do a little bit of everything. Find the thing that you've got a little bit of a spark for, a little bit of an energy for, and then throw in, learn it, become exceptionally good at it. And that will be the thing you do. But there is no one right way. There are many different ways. Yeah, so work out work out what's good for you. Exactly. And what you're good at, I suppose. Yes, and there are things you can learn, but there are things you'll be naturally good at to start with. So you can learn how to do cold calling. You can learn how to do networking. I believe anyone can learn how to do those things. But there'll be some that you find easier, so why not focus there? And there'll be some that you enjoy more, so why not focus there to start with? Uh, and then flip that around and uh, tell us what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given. The best piece of advice I've ever been given, I'll give you two. One is you can build the life you want to build. Like we have enough evidence, testimonials, examples and people who've already done it to prove that you can build the life you actually want to build. And then that gives you the inspiration to go out there. And I think the second bit that really changed my world is like investing, is invest in broad-based, low-cost index funds as much as you can, as quick as you can. And it is incredible how that compounds over time to get you towards your financial goals. What advice would you give your younger self? Get on with it. <laughs> I thought too much. 
I don't know if you've ever done this. Do you ever overthink things? Uh, all the time. So I think <laughs> the advice to my younger self was, it's going to be okay. Don't overthink it. Get out there and make it happen as quickly as you can. And actually, when you're doing it when you're younger, you've got a lot less at risk because you don't have big mortgages, family, kids, stuff. You can go out there and take more risk, do more things and risk your time, risk your energy, risk all of those things. You don't have to risk your capital. There's many different risks. So I'd be saying to my younger self, it will be okay. If you get rejected, your ego will recover. Go out there and try and give it everything you've got because I could have been so much further forward if I didn't overthink things, if I just had a go. I was thinking it was going to be something practical, like when the dog shit is flying duck. <laughs> but no. When you create the dog shit flying with your own strimmer, you have zero chance of that range to move. Chance. Zero chance. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, don't create your own flying shit. Alan, just to finish off this uh, little uh, run of questions, can you tell us what are you reading, watching, listening to? The book that changed my financial life was The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, uh, which is exactly as the title said, a simple path to investing and looking after yourself. That changed everything. Mr. Money Mustache has an incredible blog. I don't know if you've ever heard of Mr. Money Mustache. Sorry, Mr. Mr. Money Mustache. Exactly. His name's Pete. He lives in Colorado uh, and he talks about like common sense. Is his moustache actually made of money? Uh, no, no, it's not. But he did have a wonderful moustache at one stage. Uh, what about anything, any, any pods? Your pod, obviously. Like the Rebel Entrepreneur podcast about debt-free startup is a great place to go for that stuff. What, what is the podcast called, Alan? It's called the Rebel Entrepreneur. And then I think Excellent. the other thing I've been doing, which is probably a little bit left field, uh, is my wife and I bought a relationship course uh, so we've been working on our relationship, how we communicate, how we get on, because I think those are some of the things we all get focused on. How can I learn how to make more money or like learn this or learn that? But we forget the fundamentals of relationships and working with people. So that's been something I've focused on a lot this year that is paying huge benefits working together. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra, and we'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. Until then, it's goodbye.